on the Spencer the Pez, goking out at the cons, Renaissance fests, watch anime chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie, <laughs> sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the left to F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor, I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. Listen up, fanboys. It's the Fanboy Planet Podcast. Yeah. And here's your host, my teen titan, Derek McCaw. Uh, you make me sound like a plushie. I thought you were going to go with the Olympic torch. Thing. That was that. <laughs> Neither one would have made me comfortable, which, of course, is always the goal. This is Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of FanboyPlanet.com. This is the podcast on... Wednesday, April, oh heck, what date is it? The 9th? It's the 9th. It's the 9th. Here we are at Elusive Comics and Games, 2725 El Camino Real, Suite 104 in Santa Clara, California. You can hear that. It's a live, open comic book store right now. Nobody's actually buying comics. The louder you games. talk, the louder they're going to talk. I know. Boy, what? Oh, man. It's like it's like drinking with lawn. So, uh, and speaking of, of course, here I am with my fabulous announcer. This is Lon Lopez, and uh, I've been clean and sober for three months now, okay? Oh, and that's a nice chip you Hi, got Hi, Lon. Actually, I'm just kidding. I drank on Saturday. Yeah, and uh, sound engineer, moral compass, and all around, <coughs> probably best dressed among us as well. Free Tibet. Oh dear! Now you've done it. We've free gone Tibet. Pl- We've gone pl- free Tibet with every download. I'm gonna have to boycott this uh, podcast now. Oh, so. okay. Okay. no, no, we're we're okay with that. Oh, Free Tibet is okay. We've Apolitically just, yours, Rick we, Brett Snyder. Yeah, we, we've just lost. A, we had a couple of listeners in Beijing. They're, Beijing, they're all gone now. <laughs> you just lost them. <laughs> I just lost them. It's my fault. No, no, no. Hey, I love all my, you guys in Beijing. I love, I, they're baking? They're back to lawn Actually, again. this podcast isn't allowed in Beijing. No, that's no. okay. Yeah. I've, been, I've been playing Sonic and Mario with the Olympic Games in Beijing, and I love their country. Of course. Yes. I love their food. The Beijingese. No, I know. I know perfectly well. Keep going. All right. Let's not. Pretend then. like you didn't make a mistake. Go there on. we go. We're in elusive <laughs> comics and games. And we got it. we're going to be talking about comics. Not a lot in the way of movies this week. Just a couple little things. Uh, but it's been a big TV week, I'd say, for us. But before we get to that, of course, we've got to get to comics because that really is supposedly the reason we're here. Ready? Yes. Of the things that came sure. out this week, um, probably, probably the... I'm not sure who was clamoring for this, and that's what we've got to discuss about. Titans, number one. It's probably the first Titan book I've bought in years. They haven't read it, but for all the wrong reasons. Okay. (laughs) That's an interesting response. Well, I know, first of all, this is the first, I think I heard about it maybe last week or maybe even in the course of the week. Now, can you explain to the listeners at home what exactly the Titans book is being put out right now? Uh, Every character that was part of. This does get confusing. The original New Teen Titans. The original New Teen Titans. The, the original New Teen Titans. Marv Wolfman and George Perez's creation back in, what, 81? Right. So we're talking about the, the core cast like Robin, Kid Flash. Beast Boy. Beast Boy. Starfire, Cyborg. Starfire. Raven. 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 Yes, and that's. I think it. you. Co- I think you covered them all. They're not including uh, Aqualad, are they? No, no. Aqualad was not part of that. Revival. He was part of the Teen Titans. Oh, okay. The original. Yeah. Okay. So that gets confusing because that was a Titan, which didn't say the original. New Th- Teen there Titans. was Teen Titans, then there was a revival of the Teen Titans, and then there was the new Teen Titans, which then spun off into two books, and then there have been. 
There's a new new Teen Titans. There's a Teen Titans right now. Titans. There's, been, there's Tiny Titans. There's Tiny Titans. But there's been at Woo! least. But there have been at least two books uh, of this called Titans. This is the second time that the title has been Titans, and it has been this core group. Uh, they tried it like five or six years ago. Maybe even say, I lose track. It's like because I, I don't want to admit I've been reading as long as I have. But uh, it seemed after that after that post zero hour team where the Adam was the leader and he'd been de-aged, after that team kind of disbanded. That was like Argent and a bunch of and Johto and characters I that validate any of this. That, not there's a bunch book. of characters nobody really remembers. Yeah. Then they did a team a book based on the, with the original guys back together, and that was the first time they just called it Titans because you can't call them Titans. They're all established to have been adults. You can't call. Wally West, uh, Wally West, Wally West, a Teen Titan. Obviously, when he's you just got, lost the Wally West. No, I've lost all the West fans. <laughs> Look, people, it's been a long day, it's, you're tired. a long week. So, so the the last new Teen Titans included like the daughter of Deathstroke. Is that and right? When that book's still around, and that, that team is still, still there. And it's actually okay. a really good book. That it's, was like the Jeff Johns like relaunch. And right? Je- yeah, Jeff Johns left. Now I believe it's Sean McKeever who. Uh, Oddly enough, I believe it's from Gilroy, California. So, um, because my brother-in-law ran into a woman in the Best Buy, and he was wearing a Spider-Man shirt, and she said, "My son writes one of those books. Spider-Man loves Mary Jane." Okay. And I said, that "He must- didn't just point to him and go, Spider-Man." <laughs> I get that. Oh, okay, I get right. that. Whenever I'm wearing my Spider-Man shirt, but my brother-in-law actually gets conversation mm. sentences, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and so we mentioned it. And so we said, "Well, I wonder if it's the if it's Doctor McKeever, the local dentist, whose son that is." I'm like, sh- sure. Do you live in a really small town, Gilroy, or- Gilroy, oh, okay. right. garlic capital of the world. Um, but I've never actually met Sean McKeever, so I don't know. And, but if we see him at Comic-Con, I will definitely Let's be asking. Let's drive up to old Doc McKeever's dentist shop. And Is that how it works? Yeah, okay, exactly now you just works. lost the McKeevers. Well <laughs> and, done. And, and a large all the, portion of Gilroy. <laughs> a large portion of Gilroy. Who are you going to date now? You've alienated every woman in Gilroy. Making Sorry. friends. Well, they all got garlic breath, so it's not really that. Yeah, okay. uh-huh. But extends down to Salinas, you're dead. Ouch. Yeah, okay. But anyway, what makes this issue of teen t- of just... Titans worthwhile. Three pages of Starfire and the Buff. Yeah, okay, and that's pretty much it. I, I bought it for that. Post countdown to adventure, where she almost destroyed Animal Man's marriage. Uh, then she comes back in, and and the little teen guy is right there watching her poolside. Yeah, I you know I'm a, the only thing that I've been bothered by, and I haven't read Titans number one yet, is uh, the characterization of her was, you know, she had no problem with being married to someone and sleeping with Nightwing, and he could sleep with other well, people. Well, it was an arranged marriage, though, to be Yeah, true, but, you right? know, she so. was supposed to be, like, you know, free. The heart wants what the heart... I know, and now that Judd Winnick's writing her again, then probably she is going to be, like, this total, you know, slut fire. Um, but, uh, oh. I don't know. I... I well, you know what? Are we clamoring for Judd Winnick to write a Titans book? I think they need to do a uh, focus group on that title and see if they've got any future with that. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I, so I'm other actually than looking three, forward to it. I, other uh, than those three pages, anybody read anything? No, I, haven't, I flipped I looked through, through it. it. It reminded me a lot of the relaunch of JLA because they're like spotlighting each of the characters okay. for a couple of pages. I also think that uh, was Vixen swimming in a pool for three pages naked. I don't naked? think so. I don't think and so. was there a giant phallic monster behind Vixen? The other thing is that it looks like uh, I'm, I'm going right by that. Um, there, the, uh, that's the one art, page I noticed. The art style and the um, 
and the amount of text on each page is much more frenetic, if I'm using that word right, I think. Um, a lot more activity in this. Uh, okay. Yeah, it looks it, like a fluff piece almost. No? A fluff piece? Uh, well, meaning just it's very kind of like, you know, introduce, make it fun, good art, yeah. and get everybody into it. It's so. a jumping on book, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, that's fine. And it's characters that people like. People and I'm not referring to those three pages of and Star people like And people like Flash, people like Nightwing, people uh, like... You know, I'm a huge fan of the core, what do we call them, original Teen Titans or new The original new Teen Titans. All right, I'm a huge fan of that group. So if we can get a good book featuring... And that's the problem. We've always had these relaunches. Where they bring back the team, but then they don't really deliver on a good, you know, story. Yeah, story or book. So it's kind of like you you start to read it for a little bit, and then you go like, ah, this isn't that great. Yeah. So now there was a Donna Troy is in this book too, right? Yes, and she has or has not got a cop uh, got a connection to the Titans, the the. the the gods of the Amazons and yes, all that. Yes, she does. She does. Okay, so and is there a is there a tie-in between the name Titans and the uh, mythological characters? Is did they draw? I think that it's out? just a team. It, it's a team all been, name, it's right? all been retroactive in continuity that that even she has that connection because you got to remember that Wonder Girl's first appearance in Teen Titans was a mistake. Right. Literally one of the most infamous mistakes ever. Donna Troy is exists in continuity because one writer didn't realize that... He couldn't she, write a young Wonder Woman. Yeah, he, th- he thought it was a different character when the young Wonder Woman... The Wonder Girl that was appearing in Wonder Woman comics was supposed to be young Diana Prince. Uh-huh. And then this one showed up and they went, oh, we've got to give her another name. So she became Donna Troy. And then they like they filled in all this backstory years later. The most recent thing is that yes, the Titans had chosen her, and they were an alien race and had and had created gods. There was a miniseries just before uh, the uh, the Infinite Crisis that that explained they gave the last thing where she was one of those characters again. That's why she was one of the challengers of the. Of the unknown or the of the multiverse, right? Who um, knew she was aware of the multiple Earths? Okay, so. but there's no. They didn't influence the naming of the Titans no, team. No, no, okay. It's just a team name, like the Giants, right? Right. You know what I mean? So. Oh, I'm just or the Tigers. How far it went. Yeah. They could have been New Teen Tigers. You know what I mean? They just went with Titans instead. So. Wise choice. Wise yeah. choice. Yeah. Uh, actually, because the new Teen Tigers wouldn't buy that book. You never know. I I don't know. <laughs> I mean, they got the Howling Commandos. I mean, why can't they have new Teen Tigers? You know what I mean. So, anyways. Yeah. Okay. Um, wait. I have one more question before we move on from this. Do we know if the, is this supposed to take place in what time frame in the DCU? I don't know yet. And, we, and I find that problematic with anything being introduced right now because exactly in the. With Isn't everything supposed to like end? Everything's pretty about soon? to end. We got this thing with Final Crisis. Who knows? There's another thing to speak of, of Judd Winnick, who just wrapped up his Trials of Shazam thing. So can I spoil the new status quo for Shazam for Wait, you? Wait, can I sure. guess? Can I guess? Go ahead, guess. Shazam has HIV. No. No. Oh, okay. No, that was usually Judd Winnick. No, I know, I know, but actually, here's the dumb conscious. thing. Freddie Freeman is no longer um, Captain Marvel. Right. He's now the wizard? No, no, no. Billy Batson is now the wizard, which I thought was really the stupidest That's right. part. Okay. Billy Batson is now the wizard Shazam, except that he's not the wizard Shazam. They don't explain him at all. And Freddie Freeman is now the hero dressed the way Captain Marvel was, but now the hero is to be called 
Shazam. Which to me sort of defeats the purpose because that's the magic. I realize they're for legal reasons that that if you if the character matches the title of the book, that's probably better for the slower readers. But who are they? They don't exist. Yeah. Anybody picking up? They don't read. You know, uh, and at the same time, they're going to launch a children's book, Billy Batson and the Power of Shazam, where they have no problem calling him Captain Marvel. But now in the official DC universe, that character is known as Shazam. I wouldn't worry so too much about it. So that secret magic word, everybody knows. I'm going to go back to chocolate egg cream. Yeah, I want, I want to see... Uh... <laughs> oh, Billy, always the child. Oh, uh... I want to see Black Adam renamed as Chocolate Aim Creek. And I'm going to tell you, and this is why I'm not happy, I, not looking forward and I started reading the Titans, because as much as I like, and I can say that, I, I like Judd Winning personally, always been kind to me when I've ever, whenever I've talked to him. It's again, I have not been enjoying his writing for years. There's always just something where it's like, oh, really? What? What are you <laughs> thinking? Hmm. What are you thinking? Yeah. And now that you mention it, yeah, I don't, I'm not really a fan. Okay. Yeah, and I used to be. I really did used to be, and now because I was reading Green Arrow for a while, and I kind of dropped that. I would, cause... you know, and he's done some amazing. I'd like him to get back to Barry Ween, and I'd be happy with reading his doing Barry Ween again. Um, you know, and he's capable of good work. I just, I just am not enjoyed what he's done with DC. Like anything, he's like trying to put his own spin on continuity. Do you think he did that on his own, or the lawyers uh, saying, "Hey, you know, we're marketing"? Okay, well. Thank I, I suspect you. Thank you. In all fairness, Fair enough. that's probably in, true. In all fairness, that's probably true. But I think that's silly when you're about to do a movie version. Yeah. And it's Captain Marvel. No, they're probably going to call it Shazam, don't you think? No, the movie's going to be called Shazam. It has to be. But most people, most people do realize Shazam is associated with Captain Marvel. Mm. That's been Marvel's problem. It's probably been driving Marvel crazy that they have this character, Marvel, nobody knows. Yeah. Nobody cares about it because they think, is that a guy that says Shazam? Well, you know, here's the reality of it. And for a while, he kind of did. Did. <laughs> yeah, I know. Nigga bands. Yeah. Well, here's the reality of it. There was a visual of Once that movie bang, comes out. Bands together. I think everyone could get that at home. Yeah. Well, no, the reality is once the movie comes out, you'll solve all the problems ever. You, With money? No, you have a movie and he's called Captain Marvel in that movie. Oh. After that, nobody will ever call him Shazam again. Except you know when they I mean? go to buy the toys and they all say Shazam. Yeah, sure. But I'm just saying that any you know kid that watches it and they call him Captain Marvel the whole movie... Then you know that'll just that'll solve your problem right there. Yeah. So you got to wait yeah. for the movie to come out. I I can hardly wait then for just that reason alone. Uh, and you know if they have any ideas for casting, you know we know the perfect. You know guy. Who we know. Yeah, Brandon Mullally. Mm, give him a chance, guys. We're just gonna talk about okay, Brandon. Brandon, we haven't mentioned Brandon in months. He, he listens. He's good people. I, he might. Um, Probably not. All right, how about a, uh, a book that uh, has gotten some popularity and we, we read, I guess the second issue came out last week, was it, or two uh, weeks ago? Last week. Last week? Kick-Ass. Yep. Which, number two. I'm interested to see, they are talking about making a movie of this. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see, are they really going to call it Kick-Ass? Can they? Probably. I, I guess they, if they can have a jackass movie, I guess they can Yeah, have I think you can. It's not like hell. I think right now the MPAA says you can't put... Hell in a title. That's Unless pretty tough for Hellboy. 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 Yeah, I don't know. That was the thing. Is those like, were the old days, Derek? I don't know. Have, South Park. South Park was supposed to be called. You can't have a man and woman in the same bed unless one of them has a foot on the floor. That's I think the that's Hayes the, Code. That's oh, a different okay. thing. No, no. And then when South Park had the movie, that they were not allowed to call it to Hell and Back. They were told that that would be uh, you couldn't put Hell on really? the poster. <laughs> that was well, the I big remember. complaint about the South Park movie. Yeah, and so they and so they turned it into a porno title that the that the MPAA didn't get bigger, longer, and uncut. I love it. 
Mm-hmm. Well, there was also a Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Mm-hmm. It was it's supposed to be Bill called, and Ted Go to Hell. Go to hell. Right. Yeah. Which I think is a funnier title. But. Yeah. Well, you know. All right, well, back to Kick-Ass. Uh, Tell me about it. Tell me about it. Are we all read number two? I did yes. read number two. Uh, thoughts? Disturbing. Wait, first of all, what were your thoughts on number one? Short. You mean the story was short or your short thoughts were short? Story. Oh, okay. I, you know... And... I think number two kind of rounded out what number one was but bringing But if up. the purpose of Kick-Ass, let me, and I hope I'm not spoiling anything for, for if you've read number one, you, you get. It's a week later. Yeah. Um, I, if the purpose of Kick-Ass is to be one of those, this is what would really happen if someone tried to be a superhero. Right. The kind of damage that he suffered. Oh, and the, right. kind, the rehab. And the surgeries that that guy had. I'm sorry. He wouldn't be able right. to go back out there. So already it's right. unrealistic. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really gritty and grim and making fun of – and I don't like books. The way he was drawn, the way his leg was drawn, that would have been multiple compound fractures. Yeah. This is the way I was – Getting to walk on that leg again would have been something that would have taken years of therapy and he would have a limp forever. Well, now, I just want to quote Derek and then when we talked about Kick-Ass the first time. You said that uh, Mark Miller, he's a, he's a uh, soccer hooligan, or he's a Scottish hooligan. Yeah. That's how he writes, man. That's what it's like. So, But, but now, that was, now that was based on the two. first issue, and number right. two comes out, and it's, right. it's to me, it's such an unrealistic turn that he would be able to go back out on the streets. Well, the or p- even want to. Or even want to, well, the especially pacing, as a high schooler. The pacing right. of that whole thing was so weird, because you get the, you get the litany of all his... Injuries, right? And you mm-hmm. get the you know uh, the surgeries, and I didn't realize I'd had a first operation. Yada yada yada. Go mm-hmm. gone through that. And finally, he's out of the hospital and back in school. Yeah, I'm still in pain, but I take these great drugs. And then he's going to burn his comics, and the the whole yeah. thing, the the rapidity of that that series is really fast. I mean, you don't get the the mm-hmm. sense of a passage of time. What I thought, yeah, I'm having problems with that. I'm also. I thought, well, it would be really clever if the title was Kick-Ass and the guy got his ass kicked in the first issue and never fought crime again. I thought they might and, be going there. And, it's, and that it's about a guy dealing with the consequences of having made a really stupid decision. But in the first issue, they fast forward uh, yeah, to know. something we yeah. still haven't seen yet that's devastating. But, you know, and so what it, what it really reminds me of, and maybe you can remember what the, the name of the imprint was. I can't. It was from D.C., Few years ago, where they where they tried to do like real world um, consequence superheroes in a real world setting, and the only Fat one mama. that I no uh, not Stanley's who wants to be a superhero. The book I remember most was Hard Time. Did you ever read Hard Time? Steve Gerber wrote it. No, I don't think I did. And Hard Time. I got ta- you with that one. That's great. No, I just <laughs> on the outtakes. I just or just I want that to be like a soundbite like clip of just Rick going Fat Mama. Mama. Fat Mama. Just like just like Fat just the Mama. way he said it. Fat Mama. Mama. <laughs> Hard Time was about a kid who was picked on, and as he and his his partner, what what's the name of the imprint? DC Focus. Okay, thank I you. Fraction. That's why. Thank you. Okay, Fraction was pretty good too, but Hard Time was the one I remember most because it was a really clever idea. This kid and his buddy, they did like they started to do like a Columbine thing, but with blanks. Like they they really weren't going to commit violence. They were just tired of being picked on, so they were going to fake like a riot uh-huh. in an attack on the school at lunchtime. Really smart kids. Okay, no, no, no. But, you know, they were in masks and that was the thing. The kid discovered he actually had superpowers. 
And, and so somebody accidentally got killed as a result of his powers going out of control in the, the stress of it. So he discovers that in the real world, he's the only person that actually has superpowers, and he's immediately given life in prison. So instead of being a superhero thing, it's this teen being tried as an adult and stuck now in a prison drama trying to hide the fact that, that he's he got superpowers. superpowers. What was his power? Uh, it was like energy bursts, and he I think he could sporadically call up super strength and, and, and invulnerability. That'd be pretty useful in prison. And, and it was, yeah, and it was just trying to survive. And you could drop the soap all you want with yeah, superpowers. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, it was, but, you know, he was like a 15-year-old kid, and he was totally, you know, so... That to me was like where Kick Ass was going. It's been done. There was another one, you know. It was basically it was basically like four or five different titles. Kinetics, I think, was another one, and it was just people that, you know, they weren't automatically choosing to be superheroes with their abilities. They were just dealing with the consequences in a world where there wasn't anybody around them like that. Yeah, I get the idea of trying to get the. Um, there are no superheroes. This is the real world. These are the ramifications of getting hit in the face. Kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, he's still yeah. like, I broke my. Even when he was triumphant, I broke yeah. my teeth. I got cracked ribs, all this other stuff. I just had a real problem with the pacing of that transition from the point where one in one page he's burning his comic books and saying how yeah. stupid it is, and the next thing he's in the costume. And we just don't walking see, down the street too. We don't see the conflict. It's it's, mm-hmm. it's we don't see his motivation. We yeah. don't see what made him put on this suit. I mean, what? You why know, did, what I mean? how did he flip? And why why didn't we and seeing that kind of thing? You wouldn't yeah. do it, that. Yeah, in any it's, other. it's it's. I, I don't think it's well written. I think it's just a. A wild, high concept with a silly, over-the-top name. And yes, okay, so I said, you know, about number one. Miller is a Scottish hooligan. He's got this thing. And it's like, okay, if that's what it was about, great. But when you're actually, when we feel like we're missing some kind of motivation, when you're when you're making this book pose as mm-hmm. a realistic look at the consequences of these choices, and then there's nothing realistic about the pacing. There's nothing where we're allowed to see that. There's nothing internal. There's no interior life to this book. There, I do have to I've say, sounded though, like I, an English teacher. There is nothing internal to it. I actually liked reading this one better than the first one because something happened. Well, no, I just think that the uh, the rehab like portion of the book was very interesting and very realistic. And yeah. and I oh, I was sitting there going, oh, okay. Well, if they're going with it this way, then this is interesting and this is a cool turn. But then. Once it went back to the whole, you know, what we just talked about. It's the flip and the pace. Yeah, and it just kind of was like, oh, here we go again. And then, you know, the last line was like, oh, man, this is so going on YouTube. You know what I mean? Which just, you mm-hmm. know, kind of turned me off of like. It know, didn't feel satirical. It felt tired. Yeah. Well, I think what it's probably leading into, I think there's been some hint to this as well, is that this guy's going to inspire other people. And if it does go up on YouTube, they're going to be, it's going to be like the reels, only with blood. Yeah. Or like there will be blood. So I mean, but, but as we've said, that's probably something that, that as fans we're going to be more intrigued with the development of that that idea being discussed in the Dark Knight. Uh-huh. You know, so I don't know. I can see why the appeal immediately of it for a film is it's like sort of this deconstruction of the superhero myth. But it feels like a, it, what I honestly get the feeling is it's a it's a it's flipping the bird to fans. <laughs> It's hmm. a, you know, that's kind of the feeling I'm getting instead of being... Well, didn't he do that in Wanted? I didn't feel... See... At the last page? Yeah. You know, yeah, you know, like Goodson said, and I, I won't spoil it, because I don't think Rick, Rick has read no, the very... It. You did finish it. Yeah. That the last page of Wanted, you know, Goodson handed to me and said, you're not going to like this ending. And I thought, but it was perfectly in keeping with yeah. that world he'd set up. Six issues leading up to that... 
I had no problem with that as an ending. It's not a moral choice I'd make, and no, I don't I think, care if you're going to say, you know. No, but isn't that still kind of sticking it to the fans, though, or no? No, no, I didn't really. think okay. so. I think it's part of the experiment of that. Well, book. I mean, when you turn to the back page, isn't he essentially talking to you, the reader? Yes, yes. So isn't that sticking it to you, the reader? But that's any reader. Okay. That's any re- anybody who's followed his adventures, right? And sa- and because he's basically saying, "F you." At that point, I'm not on your side. You've got you think that I'm on your side because I've shared all this with you. Mm. And if I run, right. it's basically if I and I'm not me, a that's, good guy. And to me, that's realistic. Yeah, that's yeah. what wanted ended on. There is no, there is no a final. Oh, I flip the like he was faking out. Yeah, I mean, there is no. There don't is, you think that as a writer though, that's a trick for him to kind of go. All right, well, I I did this whole thing. They're right, and so f you, reader, because. Right. So isn't that? Don't you think that's him sticking it to the fans, though? No. I didn't feel that. Okay, All right. I felt that was in a context. Whereas I think every every step of the way, the two issues so far of Kickass have been like I was willing to follow it after the first one to say, okay, you made a stupid decision. Realistically, if you were getting, I mean, that's what the reels as you say. I don't think they're going out of their way to actually engage people. No. They're trying more like a passive resistance thing. A, let there be a witness. Let there be a presence. And some of them are keeping their identity secret so that no, you know, in case something weird happened, or in case really the police weren't happy about it, <laughs> you know. It, it, yeah. It, but this feels like you know, because he says in the first issue, why don't more people make this decision? And then okay, then show me the consequence. I don't know. I mean, if yeah. like we're going and in then, circles, and about then it. not to sound like an old man, but just the violence. I mean, I know it's trying to prove the point that in the real world that violence is more, and you know. In the comics and stuff, but I mean, it's pretty graphic too. It I mean, is, and, and unfortunately, I think it is. But and they tried to do the ramifications of it, but I think it's falling short of that. Mm-hmm. I do remember reading about um, when they were writing this book that they were saying they had to do, they really had to rethink the way the fight scenes were going to be because they're so used to doing superhero fight scenes mm-hmm. and not not real world. Fight oh, scenes. and I think John Romita Jr. is doing some great artwork. Yeah. No question there. I just think that for what it's claiming to be, I think this book is failing at what it's supposed to be. Right. You look at most, I mean, if you've seen like a brawl, like a real, like one guy goes to take somebody out, the fight is usually over in about 10 seconds. And they usually fight like chicks, too. Well, the, the fights, the, 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 the conflict is okay, over. Okay, um, we're at 2725 <laughs> El Camino Real, Suite 104 in Santa Clara. Usually on Wednesday nights, about 8 o'clock is when Lon lumbers out. What? Yeah, go ahead. Take him down. But the, the Scratch his eyes out. The actual conflict's <laughs> over real quick, and then the beating starts. Mm. And that, that it did capture that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so. I, I liked it better than the first one, but I just, I'm not totally jazzed on the whole thing as a series. So. Yeah, yeah, now, but I can see why, if it's true, Mark Miller has been coyly hinting that Matthew Vaughn is the guy who's going to, Direct of wants to direct Isn't a Matthew film. Vaughn, a uh, Scottish hooligan. Uh, yeah, he directed uh, Layer Cake, so he he handles violence Perfect. very well. He produced the Guy Ritchie films, uh, or at least the first one, uh, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Uh, I think he I think he may have produced Snatched as well. Didn't Matthew Vaughn do Stardust? And he did Stardust. Oh, okay, um, which is why he seems very like a violent. Log- very seems, violent. No, it seems, that's why he seems like a logical choice for Thor. Right, but but Kick Ass is one. I'm sure he could handle it. I just I just don't. I'm not relishing the thought of a film version of it. I just you know it's just not. It's really gonna. I mean, I'm gonna give it a couple more issues just because. Oh, well, I like John Romita. Art's I mean, beautiful. The art's beautiful. Um, 
and I'm anxious to see if he's going to be able to pull it up from this. But I'm, I'm getting actually a little tired of books that seem to be paced for the graphic novel. Uh-huh. That, that, and I think that that's definitely the way this is being paced. This is being paced as a book that will eventually be the length of six to eight issues. Well, just wait for the trade then. Yeah, well. Well, that's a vicious cycle and a conversation we'll have many times, I think, is wait for the trade. Well, then it doesn't sell well enough for a trade. Right. You know, although what Vertigo had discovered was a lot of their books do work that way. They put them out there, and then the trades sell really well. Transmetropolitan, apparently, they were going to cancel. And then the trades did so well, they were like, well, we have to keep the book going. It's sort of the well, That's a different kind of book. That would sell to a non-comic book reader mm-hmm. type Whereas I think, college level. I, think I, I don't know who Kick-Ass's audience necessarily is if it's, if it's not successful we'll as a storytelling thing. So we'll see. Uh, one, we didn't get a chance of novel to uh, individual pamphlet, if you will. The Dabble Brothers have returned from the dead after a deal with Marvel with a, with a license that Rick and I care about. I don't, I don't know that you're that into it long. No, I just don't like the Dabble Brothers, but yeah. I can't believe we're still talking about them. But. Well, because they got uh, Wild Cards, George R.R. R. Martin's uh, shared universe of novels uh, about – or short stories and novels. Uh, it's about 20 of them now, I think. Yeah, there were 18 uh, about uh, – I think we could get a writer from Wild Cards from the current uh, collection in – Maybe to speak and be interviewed would be kind of fun. That'll be a fun surprise. For yeah. the benefit of the listeners at home, please explain what wild, is wild cards. cards. Or you want to go with shared universe first? Uh, sure. Which would be which would help the explanation better? Shared universes came first. Yeah. Okay. Shared universe means that you, that uh, a writer or editor has set up the rules of of a reality. And then anybody can – well, not anybody. Obviously, people submit and I'm sure people get rejected. Is this in a, like a literary well, they're thing? Yes. Okay. They're usually invited. They're invited to write short stories set in this shared universe. So the first like was Robert Asprin. Kind of? In some ways, this was – yeah. Uh, the or myth like fan fiction? No, Robert Asprin, Steve's, Steve's World. Steve's World was the first. Okay. And that was – I mean, basically, he created this this city, which a large part of the economic infrastructure was Thieves. And so the stories were all about these individual characters, or each one was created by a different author. And the rule of the shared universe is that I can use your character, providing I've gotten your okay as to whatever I'm going to do with him in my story. So the characters move in and out of these different stories written by different authors. And in some ways, it's like a comic book universe, you know, like DC. Yeah. You have to, and even, if it's well even, edited, even more so for wild cards. Wild Cards was the rule that in nine, that basically 1945, an alien race is going to experiment with a, a genetic weapon, a biological weapon they have. They test it on Earth. They release it over, uh, was it New York City? It's New York, New yeah. York City. It's been a long time since I read a, the first There was volume. already a superhero at that time. Well, it was a costumed hero, Jet yeah. Boy, yeah. who was like Air Boy, from, which was a World War II comic book. And uh, Jet Boy uh, dies trying to prevent the the setting off of the bomb. It doesn't work. The bomb goes out. And it's basically, so remember, 90% of the people that get it, they use, they use gambling terminology. They say if, 90, if you are infected by this biological it's, weapon, 90% pull the Black Queen and die. Right. 9% become jokers, which is becomes mutants freaks. There's some Crazy kind of, people. There's they some, they there's have some, some kind, of, kind of power, but it's usually a physical disfiguration. Mutation. Some kind of physical disfigurement, so and mutants. then one percent become aces, and those become the superheroes or supervillains. Right. The jokers aren't necessarily evil. There's a whole Joker town, and they're they are they are basically a, a new minority. 
Yeah. So. Which is basically, I think, honestly, X-Men owes a great deal to Wild Cards because I think that the Jokertown concept predates both, um, well, town. we know the Mutant Town thing yeah, that came up. And DC had it for a while. John Ostrander put that in Hawkman, that there was a, there was a, a district in Chicago that was full of people that were um, parent, that were mutated. I don't remember what they what DC allowed to call to call them, yeah. but they were people that were mutated, and it was like it was clearly meant to be jo- a Joker Town on- analog. So I, I would mean, say the Morlock uh, city was also yeah a, uh, yeah. Wait wait wait, what era are we talking about here? The first Wild Cards novel came out. Uh, the first Wild Cards novel came out yeah, either late seventies. I, le- I think it was early eighties. When did the I shared universe thing start? Got it at home. I'll find out. Oh yeah, find out. I, I know I have a first printing of it, but I but. You know, I don't what know era is the shared? I bought the thing, first. I bought the first run. Thieves and World started in the late seventies. They reprinted the series, and I was still in college. But I rebought the whole series at that point because they were tr- Tim Truman art. Tim Truman covers, covers, yes. Yeah. So they were beautiful. I didn't rebuy. I didn't rebuy those. Only when they had the new novels with Tim Truman. Okay, covers. so why are we talking about wild cards then this week? Because the Dabble Brothers threw uh, Bantam. I think is who's di- uh, or Valentine Del Rey. Del Rey is distributing them. Um, is uh, Dabble Brothers have come back and they, they're doing a comic book adaptation of Wild Cards. They're not the first. Marvel did it with Epic in uh, the four late issue, 80s. Four issue mini- format, prestige. square bound. Didn't do particularly well. And I think one of the things is that the appeal of Wild Cards, it sold out here, but they didn't order that many copies. But the appeal of Wild Cards is it was the first time that, su- well, not the first time, but it was the original superheroes were appearing in prose. Mm-hmm. And that was the appeal of it. Exclusively in prose. Exclusively in prose. Right. So those of you who got tired of pictures in your comics could read. I really love, well, I really love. They were the, great stories. I yeah. really loved the first volume in particular because yeah. it was all alternate history. Like, how was how is uh, the Korean War different as a result of superheroes? What happens with the McCarthy trials with superheroes really there? And then, again, these are ideas that were picked up by turtle. both DC and Marvel. Oh, the great and powerful turtle was an awesome... Uh, a character who was totally insecure, but he had these great powers of telekinesis. So he he took a VW shell, a bug shell, and made it completely sealed it off. He had cameras and things, and so he would use with his telekinesis. He'd lift the shell it, around it, and he would fly around as the turtle, and he would fight crime in this. No one knew what he looked like. No one, you know, and he was perfectly safe. It's great like Iron character. Man with art arms. Fortunato, the superhero pimp, was yeah. awesome, um, and Captain Trips. Do really love this guy that that was in keeps falling down. All he time. was in the Hate Ashbury. Captain Trips mm. was was that Jerry Garcia was called Captain Trips. I think. I think you're right. Oh, you mean that kind of trip? Yeah, yes. yeah. He um, he was he was so a bird. he had chemical based powers. Yes, is what you're a, saying. A, if you'd shut up, oh, I'd tell you. Uh, it was, <laughs> he was a Berkeley student, and in one of the protests, he was experimenting How stereotypical. with stereotypical. He was experimenting with drugs, and he. I can't remember which he, he had like the Aquarian I think was the name, something like that yeah. he had this really cool superhero came out as a result of the drugs and he couldn't remember what combination of drugs caused it so throughout the novels he's experimenting and he ended up with like five or six different identities he'd take different drugs to become a different superhero what a good influence for the children out there that's awesome the children don't read oh okay no, you know, look, Captain Trips. No worse. What than, hero am I going to be this week? Let's roll a doobie and find out. No worse than any number of other books, <laughs> Carlos Castaneda, or you know. And let's face it, uh, our man took the Miraclo pill and became addicted to that. They uh, need to bring back Captain Trips. Is he in Wild Cards? Yes. Yes. Awesome. All right, so, so, he's my new favorite hero. So uh, 
Anyway, like, we all missed this. We all missed this book. Because so it sold out. We're going to be looking around. Uh, yeah, because I was excited to, to see what they, if it was, I, you know, I read the Marvel one. It was like, okay. But yeah. it, was, it was, to me, the problem with the comic book was also, at that time, the same problem I have with most comic book adaptations of television shows. Is that continuity? Is that canon? Right. And I don't think that they, they, the novels ever referenced it again. So, you know, whatever happened in there. But, you know, it was just, anyway, I do love those novels. I'm hoping somebody will reprint. I can't remember who's printing the, the next three, but there's a – I'm I'm behind a couple because I didn't realize. It had been out of print for like ten years, and they picked it up again, and I missed it entirely. So yeah, it had been I out of print, and then they started doing these oversized reprints of the individual volumes. who were way overpriced, and those didn't go very well. And then they started coming out with these hardback New versions of it. New of stories, stories, yeah. And so I want to get into those. But uh, yeah. So, but we didn't get a chance to read. Uh, one you did read was New Avengers. You were very concerned about Echo in the face of the secret invasion. Uh, yeah, just to touch back on the whole secret invasion thing. Um, I was just curious if anybody read the last... What I have it right here. Hold on. New Avengers 39 is an Echo-centric... Uh, Over three years since the old Avengers died. Has it been that? Oh, time wow. flies. Um, yeah, and so I was just—it's an ecocentric uh, issue, and I was just was curious when I emailed you guys about it today. I want to know what do you guys think Echo's role is going to be in the Secret Invasion? Because obviously, she's being touted as a major player. Anybody that saw the—this uh, is one of those things I, I, I think is kind of uh, silly about Bendis, and yet he always makes it work. It's like, I, I wouldn't have given much thought to Luke Cage. Luke Cage has suddenly become a major player in the Marvel Universe. The last page of, uh, or, or near to the last page of Secret, Secret Invasion, Invasion makes clear that he's going to be a major player in the Secret Invasion. Uh, so the but same, yet he the, doesn't write them with the sweet Christmas line anymore, which bums me out. Well, but but there's that possibility as a result of that end oh. of Secret Invasion. Uh, but the thing with Echo is it's a character that Ben dislikes. So despite no evidence to, the con- <laughs> to prove it, um, just because he says so, she's become very... Re- Whereas when David Mack created her for a dare- his little guest run on Daredevil... Uh, I believe I reviewed that actually for Fanboy Planet. You could find that in the archives where I just thought Echo was ridiculous. Echo was like the photographer in the Bridges of Madison County. If you've ever read the Bridges of Madison County, I don't recommend it, but it was a, all the fad among housewives a few years ago. Um, and it's like one of those just ridiculous. Is there nothing the woman can't do and this person can't be real? It's oh, not. You a, know what? I just thought of something, though. Okay. It was so comical because she like created a, a shadow puppet opera to describe, to talk about the myth of Coyote and something and perform it. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is for people that that um, listen to NPR 24-7. She's absolutely the... Um, and we just lost the NPR people. So. <laughs> I listen to NPR, but I agree with Patton Oswalt who says, NPR is great, should exist, I give money. But then every time I listen to it, it sucks. <laughs> There's something like, to, you know, this, this ancient art of Tibetan throat screaming died out t- 1,800 years ago until 
Two trust fund kids at Berkeley revived the art form for a critically acclaimed series of albums. This is part one of our eight-part series coverage. Yeah, and this is what Echo (laughs) began. No, I like listening to Fresh Air. I love listening to certain things on the weekend. Many things I like. I just thought about something with Echo, though. Yeah, tell me something about it. Save Um, me from this anti-NPR rant that I don't even mean. Remember a couple years ago when we were all mad when Echo was revealed to be Ronan? Right, she didn't have man hands. We were kind of like sitting there going, how, you know, they draw Ronan as this big beefy guy. So what you're saying is Clint Barton's going to discover Echo's a man? No, Echo could be a shape-shifting scroll that could Ooh. fill into a man's body, you know what I'm saying? Oh, uh, I'll bet so, she did. So I'm just saying, do you think that could be a hint that Echo might be a scroll? That Well, the confusing thing is, of course, that she's battled a scroll trying to take her place mm-hmm. in issue number 39. But do we know they weren't both scrolls? Because the scrolls don't convince. all know. This is just so confusing because not all the scrolls know they're scrolls. But they could be just both part of a plot. Okay, we'll fight. I'll defeat you. You'll change into scroll, and everyone. But she will might not know, know she's a scroll. One. I mean, that, and that's and if if and Bendis is a good writer, I suspect there'll be some that realize they're scrolls and don't care and won't side with the scroll empire. Kind of like the Cylons. I was on just going to say that. Yeah. Well, okay. there's a big Battlestar Galactica feel what? to that. Yeah, I, I I don't know that show. I, yeah. I think I heard something on the internet about that. Uh, not a fan. <laughs> for you. You you keep that individuality you're, you're preening. No, I have some episodes I just haven't caught up, so it's it's like Lost. It's, it's a couple of years to just catch up it's on. It's actually better than Lost in the way that like Lost, I sit down and watch an episode and go, I just don't have the motivation to go further because I feel like I'm so far behind, whereas Battlestar Galactica, I really do want to. It's just I'd rather watch Doctor There's Doctor an Who absolute right now. great thing. Like, it's like called What the Frack, and it's like the the entire... Three years of Battlestar Galactic in eight minutes. No, oh, okay. Well, I'll have to check that out. Yeah. All right. So, so there we go. There Who we knows? Go. We'll find out about Echo. Transitioned off the transition. I, we did, and I, but I've got to give one last comic book pimp uh, to reveal nothing except people already know that The Walking Dead, uh, and this ties in thematically since next week we'll probably have to cancel the – we'll have to skip a podcast because <laughs> nice. I'm in rehearsal for a zombie prom. But uh, a book about zombies, uh, The Walking Dead, issue 48, I think, just came out. And I got to say, you know, Kirkman, again, I don't know why he can't write a Marvel comic because he can't. But Walking Dead just is amazing. And he did something in this issue where I was like, no, no, no way did he do that. I'm not going to spoil anything. It's just like absolutely would never have predicted that that's where he was going to go with this story. Yeah, and it's just oh my gosh, and the same thing happens with Invincible, which I think is one. It's true. It says it's the best superhero mark, comic book on the market. He's right. It is. You read Invincible. The art is not always something that I'm, I'm pleased. I got to pick up the trade for that because I. But not Invincible, read a issue, it's again. I just read an issue and I'm like, ah, amazing. Except yeah. that he keeps trying to force in these other heroes that he's got. You know, astounding Wolfman and Brit that nobody cares about. But Invincible is the universe of Invincible is great. We talked about Walking Dead before, and Lon loves the book. Rick, I have to thank for getting me hooked on Walking Dead. Yeah, right. I've got right, the right. trades, and, and it's just uh, it's just a consistently solid, good story, and the art is uh, entirely evocative of the the zombie genre. Just great. Yeah, yeah. So and you know, bare bones, black and white. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like it works. Yeah, it totally works, and. Yeah, it just goes Absolutely. to say that you know a good story can transcend any kind of production. You know what I mean? Like it's just mm-hmm. a solid story. Mm-hmm. So. In fact, I don't think I would enjoy it as much if it were. Color. Good point. Good point. It yeah. really does fit. Absolutely right. 
Um, so we don't have a lot of movie news this week uh, to go from zombie comics. No zombie movies to talk about, except Zombie Strippers is coming out soon with uh, Jenna Jameson and Ro- Robert Englund. Blu-ray? No, it's actually getting a theatrical release. Oh. Uh, maybe if, the, if it fits in Zalon's schedule, I'll see if he can... Wait a minute, uh, Jenna Jameson in a... In a is it a uh, mainstream... A mainstream film? Quote-unquote mainstream horror We're talking film. mainstream She did show B. up a couple of times on Celebrity Apprentice. Oh, did she? Yes, well, she okay. Did. You have way too much time on your hands. No, if you I don't. Were watching that show. Uh, so, can, can we touch on that? Uh, if we're going to just briefly touch, t- on, touch Jenna on James, James? James? <laughs> no, I'm not allowed to. No, I the, thought we uh, established that. If we don't have a lot of movie stuff, can we briefly touch on that GI Joe rumor? Yeah, go. Oh, that's why I was asking you. Go uh, ahead. Okay, give um, it to me. Just there was a rumor going around the interwebs of uh, of The Rock getting offered a cameo role in the new. Uh, G.I. Joe movie. Mm-hmm. As The Rock? No, no, no. Well, one of the the character names being thrown out what, was... What, a wrestler as himself in the G.I. Joe pantheon? Oh, right. That's Sergeant Slaughter. Slaughter. Yeah, right. yeah, um, yeah, 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 it was a joke. I was, no, but uh, they offered him, or at least the rumor is that they want The Rock to play Shipwreck, which if anybody knows the G.I. Joe universe shipwreck... <laughs> it's you. Yes, and Shipwreck <laughs> was kind of the salty sailor, smart, you know, smart Alex. salty sailor. And uh, not really, you know, kind of the team player, kind of the, you know, whatever. Just like The Rock. Well, it's just kind of one of those things, but he was, you know, this this bearded sailor who just was kind of a wise ass and... I don't know, and I just sat there and go, if you're gonna if you're gonna get the rock <laughs> I said sailor, not I know, I know. not clam. I don't but, know. Uh, um, well, no, I just find it funny. Okay. I don't know. Because uh, you are so upset about this. <laughs> no, I am. I am and he all my G.I. Joe fans out there. It was support dead to him me. a couple of weeks ago and now all of a sudden he's still in <laughs> no, it and he's like fine tuning the movie. I have to show my passion here. Well, there you go. Just like all his relationships. Go I passion. have to be the fan that has the passion, so if there's other listeners out there that have the same You are the they go. aficionado. Right. I'm just saying that Rock would not make a good shipwreck. Rock's got star power. Give him a bigger role. Make him what somebody role else. Would you give? Uh, would you well, give the here's rock? the whole thing. You can do. I think they're trying to make this like a greatest GI Joe story ever told. You know, <laughs> with a lot of him ce- him. with a lot of celebrities. You get if John Wayne were alive, he'd be showing up as Duke. Right. You know? I have an interesting. T- if they were going to make Rock a character, I'd make him Flint. Now I know a lot of people are like, oh, Rock can't be Flint because you know Flint was a white guy. And First thing well, I thought, Flint of. is a kind of a rock, I guess. Well, I'm just saying that Flint was kind of the take charge warrant officer. <laughs> I'd love to see the credits. Flint, Flint Rock. rock. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying we've destroyed a perfectly good rant. Keep, I'm sorry. Keep the Rock for the sequel. Have him play Flint. Well, uh, something being kept for a sequel. I just noticed. Um, that announcement came out about the Incredible Hulk video game coming, which, if you call, I like last week Goodson said that was probably the one he, he was going to bet on. Uh, that most of the movie talent is actually going to voice, which I guess you know should be built in anyway. Uh, so Ed Norton is going to play Bruce Banner in the video game, and uh, what's her name is going to play Betty Brant. Liv, uh, Liv, Liv Tyler, Shriver. Liv Tyler. Oh, Tyler. Not right. Liv Shriver. Thanks. Now that's going to give me nightmares to Liv Shriver going. Uh, Bruce, I, uh, <laughs> I really love you, and uh, yeah, Daddy loves you. Uh, so, uh, but uh, William Hurd is going to play General Ross, and but one casting thing I hadn't realized, and I think I, I think he was visible in the trailer is Tim Blake Nelson, an actor slash director who I really like. Uh, he was in Oh Brother Where Art Thou as one of the, as the really dumb guy that was hanging out with mm-hmm. George Clooney. 
Uh, it hasn't listed as Dr. Samuel Stearns, and we're debating ahead of time, and maybe some fan can write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com and correct us. But I think that's the character, who's not a doctor in the comics, who becomes the leader. We could go over and check Ultimate Human right now. Well, but that's that's all the Ultimate Universe. That yeah, doesn't, but I bet they use the same name. They may have used the same name, but put him in a different... It's more the movie or, oriented. It's the origin of, the, of the, leader. the leader. Oh, okay. So Lon's going off to check Ultimate Human. We'll be he'll be back with a flash. Go, Lon, go. Go. Run, Forrest. Run. Anyway, uh, so that's a belief that he'd be the leader, which then is setting up for the the second slash third, however you want to count it, film. Yeah. The other interesting thing I noticed about this was the Incredible Hulk was supposed to be a Paramount release, but it, Universal has maintained the rights. Hmm. It is being released from Marvel Studios and Universal, so I'm not sure how that affects the overall Paramount deal, except we know that uh, Robert Downey Jr. is going to make an appearance as Tony Stark in The Incredible Hulk. So it's kind of, I don't know, it's just a little confusing and interesting and see what kind of interstudio politics happen as a result of this. Glad Glon kind of walked away because I don't think he'd care that much about the Pixar stuff. He's not a big Pixar fan, but Disney just had a big presentation uh, yesterday, I believe, uh, where they talked about, I mean, it's amazing to me, all the films, all the animated films they've got in the docket uh, through 2012. Wow. Yeah. Everything, they, you know, they've got their corner of the market laid out. And uh, the big thing was Pixar. Um, basically, I guess they showed 30 minutes of Wally, which, again, people are just raving about. 30 minutes? 30 minutes. Wow. And the reality is, I, I, I don't know how, but they've done an amazing job with Wally because I was at the Disney store with my son a couple weeks ago, and it played on the TV screen, and he wasn't paying, he was looking at Power Rangers, and he heard that Wally, and he just dropped everything and looked around the store wanted to see Wally. Have you seen the commercial already? Uh, yeah, well, there's the Super Bowl commercial and uh, it's been on some of the discs or the DVDs so they've seen the trailer on the DVD as well. But it's the same. it's been the same one over and over where it's really not a lot of... Samuel Stern's leader. Samuel Stern's the leader. Okay, we are confirmed. This just in. 40-year-old continuity confirmed by Lon Lopez. Thank you. Roving reporter, Lon Lopez. Excellent. Uh, so they talked about that. They confirmed what people knew was going to that there would be a Toy Story three, uh, which it seems like a really melancholy plot line. Uh, that uh, Andy Woody gets cancer. Andy goes oh. off to college, and if the termites, and so dealing with the you know they the at the end of Toy Story two, they're both accepting that someday their the boy that makes them real or unreal is uh, you know going to grow up, and then. The third they weren't one. really discussing their own essence, being dependent upon the worship of a small child, were they? Did you see Toy Story two? I thought I did. Yeah, that was really the plot. That was the theme: is that is that they felt that it was worthwhile being loved, rather than put in a box and put in a museum, and being on display. Huh. That it was more important to be loved for the short amount of time that you would for a child's span as being a child. Okay. And and that acceptance that someday they knew that Andy was going to put them yeah oh my gosh Toy Story two where he where Andy grabs the grabs Woody and says like the dream Woody's nightmare sequence and says oh that's right you're broken and he throws Woody away into a big black hole and he just falls into black nothingness and it's this metaphor for death it's a disturbing film I gotta wow. go I've never seen movie. that film I guess so. wow you guys it's been a while. Well, you need to see it again. Uh, and My son's 18. 
Yeah, uh-huh. And and there's <laughs> and on his shelf are some action figures. Still, well, there's dad still in their that's blister my, packages. A, <laughs> no, no, no. My Woody and Buzz are out sitting on the shelf in my den. Yeah. They are not in blister. Well, you know a place where action figures get a lot of love? Your house? My apartment. Yeah, right. Still blazing on them. Uh, and that's okay. Love them. Love them. I, I do, too. Uh, but one that uh, I guess it was a no-brainer considering that it has been the best um, actual toy sales that Disney has had in about uh, two decades, Cars 2 was announced. So I don't think you've seen Cars, the first one. I no, haven't seen it either. It's a, it's a good movie. But I was surprised they went for a sequel. Uh, but Why? Does everybody die in the first one? No. Oh, okay. No. It's one of those, you know, that I try not to think too hard about because there's still like, who's building these cars? Where yeah. are they coming from? How is it they've taken over the world? Where did they get Coca. the souls that they you, put in the car? Yes, the, the souls of the cars. Stephen King's cars. cars. Uh, it, still, so I try not to think about that because yeah. my son really enjoys the, the, the movie. Uh, Do you think Carnosaur will be in the sequel? Okay. Uh, yeah. So then Disney uh, knows that they're adapting for a kids animated film a, a Philip K. Dick novel, which uh, I or a novella, I, something something in the elves about a got like a gas station attendant who gets oh King of the Elves. That's the name of the of the story because they come and they uh, Philip these, K. Dick, the guy who wrote Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep and, and uh, Man in High Castle, A Scanner or, Darkly. Yeah. Yes. Disney and Dick elves together. Yes, it's odd. It's it's not a combination, I would think. Uh, we already knew too that you know Pixar has registered and is planning um, John Carter of Mars. Yeah, finally we heard a, that two years a ago. A Princess didn't we? of Mars, Pixar. Uh, one thing that also got confirmed last week that I just have to crow about because we ran this almost a year ago on Fanboy Planet. Disney confirmed the Lone Ranger. Okay. That animated. No, live action. Uh, they're going to do the the writer Rossio and Elliot Ted Ted Rossio from Ted the Elliot, origin forward. Uh, going to do uh, are going kind to of a Zorro treatment. Yeah, because they're, they're the guys that wrote the Mask of Zorro. Yeah, as well, which I thought was was really good. Um, the Mask of the Legend was a little kiddie, but that's okay. They made a kiddie version of the story for kid, you know, for the yeah. second one, and it's actually pretty good as a kids movie. But they're gonna. It's a good father son movie. Yes. yes, yes, it is. They're going to push uh, the Lone Ranger forward, and we had that about yeah ten months ago because it broke during Baycon uh, that I posted that story. So I, I felt really thrilled, and yet you know don't have the time or, Dude, or ability to crow about these a... things in a way that anybody will hear. Other than podcast listeners, we figured this out ten months ago. People, yes. you need to listen or Anyways. read. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you think that uh, they'll ever update? Do you ever? Do you ever think we'll see an updated? Lone Ranger story, like instead of him being in the old west, like him being in modern times and being like, like Knight a, Rider. Mm, no, more like Punisher, maybe more or, like the Green Hornet. Well, uh, I guess Green Hornet kind of. Yeah, I mean, was Green Hornet since the Green Hornet is his great nephew. So the Lone Ranger had a sister or brother. Uh huh. Oh, okay. That's why his Lone Ranger's brother was killed, but not before apparently having a child back in back east. Interesting. Okay. So yes, yes. But is Green Hornet as like? But Green now, Hornet doesn't use weapons, does he? Yeah, he does. Yeah. Does he? He has oh, a, okay. The stinger. But not like guns gun. or anything. Right? The gas gun. That's kind and of like Kato. All right. Well, please, the living weapon, indeed. Okay. All right. Curious. All right. Yeah. So uh, I'd like to see an updated Lone Ranger, grim and gritty. 
you know, shooting people. And I, I don't know that I, I would like that. I don't know. Does anybody have the rights? Let's get it right now. Come on. Uh, Lone Ranger, yeah, Disney has the rights. Darn it. Yeah, uh, that's what we were talking about. And Dynamite Entertainment has a really good comic book adaptation. I've been kind of picking at that, and that's one I'm really con- contemplating actually shelling out the cash for the hardcover collection. Just to really? have the art's beautiful, the yeah. story is really cool. I'll you know? probably pick it up on this. There's a, but there's a is paper, it traded? It's traded. The first six issues of uh, trade paper. Cassidy do the art for that? Cassidy was the art director, so we hired someone who. You might have done the covers. Looked like he was right? doing the covers, okay. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, it, but they released both a hardcover for those who like hardcovers, and there's a and there's a paperback as well. And I'm, I'm saying, you know, I, I'd be happy with the paperback, but I might just shell out the extra for the hardcover because it, it retells the origin really was well. The story, what was the story like? Was it, uh, you know, the problem with a lot of those books, and you go back and you think about any of these, the ones that were popularized were serials and, um, you know, Tarzan, The Lone Ranger. After a while, the stories kind of get repetitive because mm-hmm. of the limitations of the time frame they're in and stuff. Until you get, unless you go into something like Wild Wild West where you just say, hey, let's tear the roof off mm-hmm. and do whatever we want. So, I mean, Lone Ranger, longevity for that book, do you think it's got a, does it have legs for you know, I, I hundreds don't, of issues? I don't know about that. I mean, I don't you, either. Because I think you and I are in a, a rapidly diminishing kind of fan base. I don't mean to insult either one of us for this, but we ha- I think we have more of a tolerance for that kind of repetition because we're used to the kind of the pulp storytelling. I mean, hell, I read 120 of the Doc Savage novels, you yeah. know, and really it was enjoying, oh, and now, oh, and this issue, Monk got called the homely chemist, you know. Yeah, but Doc was all over the world and fighting people, all kinds of different right, people. Right, and there weren't that and many Lone Ranger the books. The Lone Ranger right. is really like, he's in the West. You never had the Lone Ranger in Paris. <laughs> you know, No, but that would be an interesting fights story. fights the Martians. Or, but you know. why not? You know, yeah. he could. Well, I mean, yeah. If, and apparently, and there was a 60s te- uh, animated series with Lone Ranger that a lot of people forget about that actually did try to put it in kind of the wild, wild west yeah. kind of thing. And he had a villain like Dr. Loveless. And I can remember watching as a little kid and being really creeped out by, this, by the animated series. And it hasn't been collected, and it seems like it's a forgotten one because it wasn't apparently well animated. But well, the 60s were a weird was time a for animation. Or? No, it wasn't from filmation. Oh, okay. it, was this, it was a house that doesn't. That you know shut down like in 1970, so okay. it's just kind of. I don't think there's that much of it exists anymore, honestly. Um, well, let's hope Disney does a good job. Well, but you know, and that's right. When you put it into a film franchise, all that anybody's shooting for is a trilogy. You know, so three adventures in, of, of western, I think, would be really. I mean, just like Pirates of the Caribbean. And you know what else? I can't wait for the hip hop version of the Lone Ranger theme because you know they always update it. You know. They might the even lone get like lone Ranger, yeah, the lone, lone or Ranger. maybe like Will Smith is the Lone Ranger. Yeah, he already ruined the Wild Wild West for me. Thank no, you. he Wild didn't West. do it. The producers did. Okay, you know the fact that he was Jim West was a mistake. Once that happened, it was all over. And the Giant Spider all too. Over. Nope, Giant Spider would have been okay. Really? It's Will Smith. Will Smith was. All wrong. Yo, it's the Wild Wild West, yo. But a show, a television adaptation of a, of a long-standing comic book property that seems to me, uh, we also came out last week, something we had uh, talked about, rumored a, f- a couple months ago, Brave and the Bold, coming, on, coming to Cartoon Network next fall. Uh, Batman does teaming it, up with a variety of... Is it geared towards real little kids? Because I saw the preview art. It does look like and it. It looks really. But the producer has sworn that it's still kind of the, it's the grim and gritty. Yeah. Batman. But they draw like Batman running, and he's yep. all smiling and happy. And the first time I saw the Dark Knight, the uh, 
the Batman stuff, mm-hmm. it looked like it was for little kids to me. I mean, it really did. It kind of was, though, wasn't it? Originally. Uh, yeah. yeah. Originally. But it and got darker. It got darker. What I think is still most notable about it is that the key art they give, that they sent out for everybody to use, was uh, featuring the Blue Beetle. And Green Lantern. Well, green what's green funny arrow. is the current Blue Beetle and the old Green yeah, Arrow, green, yeah, which was yeah. really weird to me. I was like... Why are you going to have the new Blue Beetle and the old Green Arrow? Because when you're doing green comics, arrow, you take the best. Green oh. Arrow, easier to draw. Also, probably a lot easier to put into an action figure that way. Well, you can't put a beard on him? How hard it's, is that? It's, extra, it's an extra sculpt. It's easier to do a smoother face. You could probably reuse, in, the, face you could reuse the face on the head on something else as well. But the Blue Beetle thing, I think it just speaks to how popular that character is legitimately becoming. Or they just want him to become more popular. But I think he is. And and that he's lasted as long as he has. Uh, And then you sent out a thing this week that, like, there's an upcoming issue of Blue Beetle written entirely in Spanish. I got to say, it's a good book. It's a good story. It's a good character. It's written in Spanish. It's going to have an English translation in the back, so you can go through and read the translation along with it. But I think it's noteworthy that DC is going to do one of their mainstream books. In a foreign language, mm-hmm. or in a local language in well, California, I'm, you know, in California, yeah, it's going to be like and in New Mexico, where where Jaime is, uh, in, where the Blue Beetle is operating out of, is uh, you know, it's perfectly logical. Yeah, um, absolutely. So I did not mean to demean it by saying foreign. language. No, I I know, but okay, it's foreign to us. We don't speak Spanish. Hola. You, certainly, Lon doesn't. Oh my gosh, he's Necesito. so. You'd stop with a fake tanning. Uh, so <laughs> I'm brown, not you're, orange. You're fooling no one. Um, he really is. Uh, his, his last name really is Pez Dispenser, not Lopez. Uh, so anyway, I'm excited about the Brave and the Bold, and that does bode well for future superhero projects. Yeah. Because you just said the Legion of Superheroes ended with a kind of a almost yeah, a setup for another plot. Not to line. spoil it, because it actually I think that probably a lot of people missed it, you know, may have missed like part one or part two. Is the two two episode uh, end with the Brainiac Five? Oh, uh, they're all getting banged story. for me. Yeah, and uh, the thing is, it ends with one of those. Uh, uh, we beat the bad guy, and now Brainy's got to go off, and he's going to have a new life, and everybody's kind of like it, it was the closer. The the other, the alternate Superman went off into the future through his boom tomb or whatever it was, and um, but then so that all closes down. And then you go back out to outer space where the fight was, and pieces are coming together, and the villain rises again and says, "You just split me off, and now I'm totally evil." And then he floats off, and that's it, which. That's the setup for something else to come back, whether it's going to be like direct to TV, or direct to video, or you can go to Cartoon Network, and you know. So we'll see. Um, Battlestar Galactica's return. So you guys can talk about that because I'm way behind on my. What do you think about the uh, the whole issue? I was a little underwhelmed by this episode, but I also thought that it's just the beginning of a bigger. What do you think? What do you think's going on with Baltar and those people? Just well, he's so Baltar. For those who are you know up with it or not, so Baltar just in the story just gets pardoned for, for his war crimes yeah. during old crap, supposed war or crimes. new Capricorn. I think. I, I, do you think he had? Was he guilty or not guilty? Guilty of war crimes. Did he do anything wrong? You know what's funny is is uh, everybody he's he's made to be the bad guy, but Leah Dama's like, what do they call it, dissertation or, or, or speech at right. that thing, was so dramatic and awesome and perfect. Lee Obama? 
Lee, what I call him, Obama? No, <laughs> Lee Obama. No, you said Obama. Okay. Uh, Rick was actually channeling you for a second, oh, okay. and you fell for it. Wow. No, that's good. That's good. I'm no, glad we're not. on the same no. page. No. Um, uh, no. But you know that no, that, good that trial episode was awesome. One of the best shows. You know, one best trial episodes I've ever seen. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, so when he made that point that you know the president pardoned everybody, you know what I mean? Why his? Why shouldn't he be included? And uh, I thought that was a you know a really good point. So yeah. after that point, you're kind of like, okay, well, if we're gonna have to you know be a society of you know people to survive, you know, we have to let this guy off. So regard you know, so I'm okay with him being innocent, even though we know how evil he's been. I don't know if he's really been evil. I think he made maybe he, just manipulated. He made one really bad mistake, and it was a mistake. He he that let himself destroy the human race. He let himself be, sedu- be seduced. And gave her access by accident. And who here can't like claim? Oh, that. Trisha Hefner. Yeah, she oh, could. Man. She could probably get my password. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so sure. everything that has followed that has just been a Your series is of Shang Chi, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Shang Chi forty six. Um, so so uh, so he's been. It's been complicated by his continued cover ups. To that original mistake, right, right, right. But I don't think he's ever done anything to try and really undermine anybody. Yeah, I guess not. I mean, I, it's hard to say. I mean, he's just he's always had this thing in his head manipulating him. So right, right. It's hard to say. But so to answer your original question, what was up with the the, the people, the cult? Well, the, he's it's almost like a cult worshiping him. Well, essentially, yeah, he's becoming like he's a Jesus figure, essentially, right? I mean, yeah, but I don't know why. Uh, there was there was a couple episodes back where he started getting worship for his speeches. You know, oh, his he writing. was in prison and his, his writings, writing. right, right, right. His writings were basically becoming this this religious tome, challenging for, the uh, yeah, challenging the, the way things are. So essentially, he's not in this, okay, maybe not a Jesus figure, but more of like a Mandela figure. Yeah, or yeah, a, I like that. A prisoner, you know, a prisoner of war. The altar was what threw me. You know, the uh, yeah. with the Christmas lights and stuff. Right, right, right. But uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. I don't know what to make of the whole Starbuck plot because they're definitely trying to lead you in one way, and you know, I, you know, they're going to take you in another way. So, yeah. but it, I mean, like I said, I was underwhelmed because I was, you know, I was so excited for it to come back. So watching it, I was waiting for something big to happen. But then I realized they usually save that for the end. So it was kind of like what impressed right, me about wait. this. You know, it's been I haven't really watched any of the repeats in the meantime since it's been mm-hmm. gone, but. That show is just so well produced, and we mm-hmm. forget how excellent all those all the space fighting scenes are. Mm-hmm. When they throw like hundreds of ships on the screen oh, and they're yeah. fighting, and they've got the big ships, and they take they take big hits, like mm-hmm. the ringed ship, and the whole oh, part yeah, of the ring yeah. goes away. That's 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 big space opera. Nobody does or has done. Star Wars didn't do space opera as good or as big mm-hmm. as um, I mean. <coughs> They and, tried to in uh, the um, what's the one where um, Obi Wan and oh uh, the, the third one or Rangel yeah when they're, when they're when they're when ta- they're attacking yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they tried to that was just a scattered mess compared to the elegance that, that well uh, what makes the Battlestar scene so awesome is the frantic space camera work that they yeah. they put in it's not your typical. You know, just static kind of shots. Or Feels panning. like newsreel or something. You just you feel like you're in a yeah, like a news ship almost. It's yeah. Chronicling. You know, you get a quick pan here, a zoom. You know, like I said, it's frantic, so it's crazy. I mean, it's one of the best. I mean, I hate to you know sound like the bandwagon guy, but it's one of the best shows on TV, if not one of the best sci-fi 
series ever. You yeah, I just I mean? want to put it a little in perspective because you know it's coming back. It's mid mid storyline. They couldn't really do a lot to like blow things out sure. for for. But they made it tense. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now, is it really that good, or does it seem that good since it was replaced by Flash Gordon? It was. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's. I'm sorry, that was definitely too close to the microphone. Yes. <laughs> now I'm excited to see where it goes. It looks like we're only going to get ten episodes, which bums me out. But yeah. they are talking about doing uh, the prequel series, Caprica. Caprica. I don't yeah. know how excited I am about that, but it well, is hard to say for a prequel series. But you know, the Ron Moore it puts on a good show, and I suspect he'll have good writers and there'll be a good story. Okay. So I'm on board. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You know, uh, one that a season just came to an end that you haven't watched yet, but uh, was Torchwood, Torchwood. Uh, a good science fiction series. But I got to say, I was kind of disappointed by the ending. But since you haven't watched it yet, I don't want to say anything about it. Yeah, I we can talk about the episode before that because I really love the origin of Torchwood episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The the whole thing about um, Jack and how he got involved with Torchwood mm-hmm. in the first place, and then the all the backstories. For all the people who were there, and I thought they were all just engaging yeah, and wonderfully. Yeah, I, I think what I what has been tantalizing, if I may use that word, uh, about this season that I, I would be intrigued to see more of is the idea of um, the Torchwood through the ages, seeing yeah. the Victorian and the or the nineteen the World War One era uh, Torchwood members, and I think there's room for Doctor Who to do the same thing to be visiting them. Because um, I really felt that unlike the first season, th- this season is kind of scrambling to create um, enemies for yeah. Torchwood that can recur. That the night people, the carnival, I thought that episode was really actually kind of bobbled. Yeah. Um, that, but the concept was really good. Um, I thought it was played far too much for maybe laughs. The night people? The night people? Yeah. It was a great idea, Lon, just a, a science fiction idea that, that there were this supernatural carnival and it was right out of something wicked this way comes yeah so it was like in the 20s a traveling show and the only way they survived now was film clips that people had shot. had shot them and then you and then but the since we everything switched to video nobody's seen it so they this theater had was going to like revive itself so they they took historical they took footage. historical film for a grand opening and they had footage of the night people and they came out and they were. It was. It was, it was like a cross between something wicked way, this way it comes and the Woody Allen film, um, Purple Rose of Cairo. Purple Rose of Cairo. Hmm. Yeah, and you know, so I thought they were dead, kind of floundering around, and they had that uh, subplot with uh, the idea of Captain Jack's brother, and it was like you know they were trying to find villains that would be kind of recurring for Torchwood, the yeah. way that you know you have Cyberman, Fish and, Guy, and Daleks. Yeah, fish guy shows up twice, uh, or his race shows up. Yeah, um, you know they all sound alike. But Torchwood is definitely, you know, though it backed off of the sexuality. I think that really, the, you the, think the, so? The, off the first season, compared really, to really, you think so? I do think that it Yanto and up. Jack. Uh, yeah, I blacked that out. Um, up, you know, they were, looked like they were trying to for a little while, and then it got you know bizarre again. Yeah, and then it just. Torchwood seems to me a more um, depressing series. And then you get the falls up with Doctor Who. Yeah, it, it was funny because you're right. I had watched like a number of Torchwoods in a row. And then we get the season opener for for season four of Doctor Who. And I've forgotten how light that show is in comparison. Mm-hmm. And in and fact, that, but I think actually this, that, that first episode is lighter actually than all the episodes in the prior season. 
that that may be, and and probably lighter than what's going to follow because clearly they've already Doctor Who has established there is there is a mystery from from the end of the first episode that is clearly going to be played out all season long. Uh, but I I thought it was what a fun villain. I mean, you know, the the alien race that is in this episode of Doctor Who they're, they're, they they got to be making plush toys of. Them. Oh yeah. And yeah. uh, we're going to be seeing. Hey. <laughs> I love you this much. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, and I just thought when he, uh, when Catherine Tate and the what, what's her Donna, Donna and the Doctor actually through the window. The, I was like, I was so charmed, totally, totally caught off off guard by that scene. And then the whole, and then the reveal, the villain saying, "Are you, are we bothering you?" Yeah. <laughs> Am I bothered? I got this thing. No. So I, I get I get an email from Goodson today <laughs> complaining. I, he doesn't know what bothered meant. And I said because clearly he's reading it as Boward. Oh. <laughs> because Boward has just made it as, uh, as the Oxford Dictionary's oh, um, really? word of the year. <laughs> oh, my. And because so the two W two V's next to each other look like a W. Yeah. They, they look like a W. And he's, he wrote back and said, "You pretentious bastard! I still don't know." He's found this article. He tells me it's the word of the year, and he still doesn't know what it means. And I said, "It's just an act. It's just a slangy version." The dude of lives on bothered. YouTube. Why can't he find him? Yeah. Um, I but apparently that's like so huge in England that actually Catherine Tate was able to greet the Queen and say, "Are we bothered?" <laughs> And the queen laughed. It's like, and that's the thing is, while she's making fun of school children, school children have picked it up, and it's become like the oh, number yeah. one slang term, uh, you know, catchphrase on on the game. Oh, the she's just wonderful. School, I, mean, so. I, I think she's going to be great on the on this this season. I'm I just thought it was a more. sweet episode. I, I hate to say that, I, yeah. I, you know, because it just makes me feel all girly to say that. But it was sweet. Yeah. The stuff with her grandfather and talking yeah. to, and so we get that on the sci-fi. You know, some of us have other sources uh, we can't talk about, but the Sci-Fi Channel is going to broadcast it in two weeks, I think. So let's just say right off the bat, um, watch this. You're going to love this episode of Doctor it's Who. It's a good jumping on time. And we, and we got Jamie uh, Kelwin back. Gonna show, they're going to show the... Uh, they're okay. gonna, in two weeks, they're going to show the Voyage of the Damned, Okay, the Christmas special. Which know. doesn't... They have to go back to Runaway Bride... To get the Catherine Tate tie, which is on the season three DVD collection, right. you can get that and uh, and that the tie-in. Um, yeah, so we'll see it soon. And we got Jamie Kelwick back from England writing reviews, so I'm I'm really thrilled to have Jamie back. And he didn't uh, he didn't on spoil Fanboy much. Planet on Fanboy Planet. Yes, I, I forget to mention that. Yes. A whole bunch of written stuff out there, kids. Occasionally, pictures do. I uh, admit that during the the process no of producing this musical, I have not been as uh, up to date with the reviews as as I and, and with the articles as I should be, and I've got a lot of interviews still to slog through from WonderCon, but uh, we'll get there. We'll get there, getting on track. We got some stuff coming up though to look forward to. We, I yeah. just uh, worked on your Harold and Kumar uh, interview. Yeah, so we're gonna so have we'll a, be having that in a, in a week or two. Cool. Okay, and, so you guys uh, found a Betamax. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, so we have that to look forward to. We got a uh, review of Sarah Sarah Marshall coming Sarah Marshall. Up. Did, so you guys got a lot to look forward to. Did you get uh, the producer of uh, Journey to the Center of the Earth? Not yet, but it'll be probably in a week or so. Okay, so that'd be, we're that'd putting be nice. together that'd be nice a whole, too because I think that's probably a good good piece. And we're then putting we're together a whole WonderCon episode. So for more on life, right. and then pieces of that will be on Fanboy Planet as well. Right. right. So uh, which and is, linked back and forth. Yeah, because yeah. you know, so on their MySpace, Lon and I were like we're like brothers. Brothers, brothers. So those of you that are, you know, I'm thinking the content's light right now, you have a lot to look forward to. So, yeah. yeah. And Chris Garcia is back, so we're having more falls kind of anywhere. He's been in England. 
Ironically, everything keeps coming back to England. But I saw him the day he came back. Oh, did you? We took a tour of the Computer okay? History okay? Museum. Yeah. Okay. Took a whole team there. Okay. I'm going to cut this part out. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and I haven't seen him yet. And can we end on a somewhat sour or sad note? Oh, uh, Can, I mean, well, the, it's a good. He point. is a contributor to sci-fi and geek. This, and this week, a, a giant of sci-fi cinema truly uh, uh, did die, uh, pass away. Charlton Heston. Oh yes. You know how? how, how <coughs> you're right. You're right. You should. I mean, and I and I just want to say, take your hands off me. I just want to say, as, as a young dirty ape, as a young kid, you damn dirty comic book store manager. As a young kid, there this were few. Let's say role, role models. models. Some of them were, you know, well, the main one was probably uh, John Wayne, right? Yeah. Cinematic one. But then the other one was Chuck Heston, you know what I mean? And being a sci-fi geek like I was, Planet of the Apes, you know what I mean? Like, back then, you're like, this is the male, like, this is the male uh, pattern or blueprint well, like, you know, two for the action stuff. i, I got to you know? tell you again, two, two, what, two, three months ago, I watched El Cid, at, yeah. or El Cid, and... Um, I got you know, it's a hokey. A lot of those epic movies are they're they're hokey, but he is absolutely believable in that film, and and partially it's the subject matter. I mean, it's not. I don't think that Elsie was like a fan, like a really great classic, but the subject matter and the thing, the speeches that get put in that that guy could say. I mean, it was it was just. Well, really even, inspiring watching that movie whenever he's on screen. Well, look at what he did in uh, remember the first Wayne's World. Where the they go, he's running to get, or no, is it the second Wayne's World? Where he's 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 goes by the gas station, and yes. he's like he asks for directions, and they're all, "Could we get a better actor here?" And they bring in Chuck oh, Heston, yes, and he does, "Oh yes, I remember." You know, well, even he was originally the guy for uh, the Budweiser commercials, the the um, achievements. He, you know, say. Uh, like, how did you, uh, you know, get your butt? Uh, well, I, I was sitting in my couch. He sat in his couch. Oh, right, right, right. He was the guy, you know, it was a good, because he, he was a little physically debilitated in the last few years. But but you go, but yeah, you got Planet of the Apes, Omega Man, and, here's what I, here's and Soil and Green. On, on the day he died in my blog, I wrote, Chuck uh, Heston, Chuck, you're a great actor, and you, well, you, know, you should have left it at that. We'll always remember you as Moses, Ben-Hur, Taylor, the Planet of the Apes, the Omega Man, Soylent Green, and even the Four Musketeers. So you understand our... Well, he was a great Richelieu. Now, this is my blog, so it's a little more political. So you understand, given our differences in politics, that we have to go there this morning. Seriously, it's a cheap shop, but somebody's got to do it, and it's not like Michael Moore will be knocking on your door anytime soon. Guess we can have that gun now. You're not the only person to make that joke. Oh, really? Yeah. I was going to end on that, but that's okay. Right. Yeah, oh. Because please, Lon's been sitting on that for a week. No, but I've read that in several on several websites. Oh. And you know, I yeah, I agree. Long. I totally. I I think there there are a lot of things I objected to in his last few years. All over. This is also if you want to go political, this is a guy who marched with, not against Martin Luther King Jr. And definitely, uh, you know, so he got more conservative in his old age. Yeah, and. Uh, but by all accounts, and I and I really wish we were having more encounters like this. Really professional, really kind in person. A lot of the anecdotes that I've been reading are about, like, you know, if he made an appearance on a television show, he made sure he went around and introduced himself to every crew member and thanked them at the end of the day. Okay. That's a professional right there. And, that's, and then really think. And he wasn't a prima donna. It's the same thing, you know, like... Eventually, I'll get this transcribed. My interview with Darwin Cook, how Darwin Cook is considered like really um, difficult to work with, and he says, "No, I'm not. It's that I'm perfectionist. 
And if you're not going to give me your all, I have no problem with that. I just don't want to work with you. <laughs> and you know, and it's that simple. And I think that's the that's the you know yeah. the, that's to me a professional, someone who gives their all, expects everyone to give their all, and as long as everybody's trying to do it, you know. Then well, I'll just say the one thing I had against Charlton Heston, the scarves. I mean, what was up with the scarves at the end of his you know? Car- okay, come so we on. needed some fashion advice. And, right. and, uh, bad come on, but, Chuck. But, but still, I certainly uh, you know he'll always a, be my Omega man. There's a really man. good miniseries, and I don't know if he if it's on <coughs> DVD called Chiefs. It was a novel by Stuart Woods. It was about three generations of uh, police chiefs police. in a small town with a serial killer, and he was the mayor. And I always remember it was just a fa- I mean it was a great story in the first place. Uh, and it was really well done. T- CBS did it like so it was a six-hour miniseries because it's three nights, one night for each police chief. And Heston was the link, and the serial killer was the other link. But you know, but Heston really held it together. Early '80s, just great work. I mean, he, it's just there is no no movie with Charlton Heston that I don't want to at least stop and watch him for a while. Yeah, you know. No, I seriously. I mean, for for fanboys, Soylent Green, Omega Man, The Planet, Planet of the, the Apes. Apes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And think about the fact that he came back for Beneath just to do a couple of scenes. Mm-hmm. And nowadays you would never have that. No big no big star would come in just for a couple I of cameras. I think my, fa- perhaps my favorite Charlton Heston moment was when he hosted Saturday Night Live. And they, oh, they're all dressed as apes? No, no. He came out and he said – and I don't remember if it was the opening monologue or if it was just like they came back from a commercial. And he came out and he read a letter. They said uh, it was like an anniversary, like the 20th anniversary of Saturday Night Live, and they got Heston to host, and he uh, maybe it was 95. You know, Phil Hartman was still on the cast, uh, and he read this letter and said, "You know, dear NBC, I think that you know I watched the first episode of Saturday Night Live, and I find it repugnant and morally reprehensible. This is if this is Television's day, you can have it. Forget it. It was like the total ragging on the first episode of Saturday Night Live." Signed Charleston Heston, <laughs> you know, and I think the description Phil Hartman said is he didn't have much of a sense of humor about himself, but he knew it and went with it, and trusted that others did, you know, and and so you know you made the Michael Moore joke, and I think the one thing I I, I did feel that in in that in Bowling for Columbine, that's one part about that movie I never he, agreed with. He ambushed him. He ambushed him. Yeah, and I, I think agree. that that was not. You know that was not fair to Charlton Heston. I didn't. I didn't want to feel sympathy for Heston at that point. But given I did. His position on guns. As much as I agreed but with yeah. the politics of that movie, yeah. I absolutely had a problem with what happened to Heston at the end of that film. Yeah. So, so there. Okay, we've gone off on this weird deep tangent, but um, I've got a copy of Major Dundee. I think I'm going to try to watch this weekend. But I mean, come on, guys, responsible for one of the, one of the most memorable. You know, scenes in sci-fi cinematic history at the end of Planet of the Apes. I mean, yeah. how can we not pay tribute to that guy? So. And he played, and he came back and, and spoofed it in the Tim Burton remake. Oh yeah, he was. He's the, he 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 the old, oh, yeah, old yeah, yeah, gorilla yeah. who then says, "Damn them, damn them all to hell!" And yeah. dies. <laughs> it was just like. It and was, did you see in a recent issue episode of uh, Big Bang Theory? When they're all sitting in the Planet of the Apes. Uh, yes. He says, get your hands off my popcorn, you, you damn, damn dirty, dirty ape. So it is It is a part of uh, American pop culture. It'll always have, have that place. So Thanks, Chuck. Thank you. Bye, Mr. Heston. Well, if you've got uh, more accolades for Charlton Heston, anything at all, comments, complaints, criticisms, please write into editor at fanboyplanet.com. I'm Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com. 
I am Lon Lopez trying to think of a good Planet of the Apes joke, but I'll just forget it. <laughs> I am Rick Bretsnetter channeling my powers to make Lon forget it. And that's it. And remember, use, use your, your powers, powers only for good. This week's podcast is brought to you by Baggage from DC Comics. And thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.lukeski.com. Only one that I... Only one that I... Only one that I... And the Jokers aren't necessarily bad. Who become the Queens? Uh, They're waiting for you to join this shared universe. There's a whole Lopez family. Um, no, the, I've met his mom. She's very nice. The Jokers aren't necessarily evil. I was going to schedule once everybody gets back from... Because I got Zombie Prom next week, and then, you know, yeah. you'll, be, you'll be on that bender. Um, what was that all about, bender? You're going to go on a bender? Or? No, i got to go to... Uh, I'm, I'm going to San Francisco. Isn't my version of your reality a lot more entertaining, It though? sure is, and I sure wish that was what it was. And that's what I'm trying to do for you, Rick. Thank this you. is my little service as your friend. There you go. <laughs> I... <laughs> Just you don't talk about the number of times we were wrong, though. No, no, I don't. Shh. Good point. Shh. What? I just have a quick uh, hypothetical question it's for four. you. Four. Four. That's the number of times we've been wrong so Do far. Do you think well, well, that was all on, though, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Whatever. Putting a hand over her eyes or over him or. Just a weird ending. But also, too. Are they are they th- making a point about Hawkeye? Because in Secret Invasion, don't they make a thing about how he's dated everybody or something like that? He slept with everybody. And now in this one, he bangs Electra what? or Echo. What do you think? Okay. She's covering one eye, and she can't see him anymore, which means the other eye doesn't work, which means she is Nick Fury. <laughs> wow. I like the theory. That's interesting. Because I want, I want Hawkeye to deal with that. <laughs> uh, so you've banged everybody on the Avengers? <laughs> Wait till they get a load of me. Only one, that I, 